So my name is uh, George Warimwe and I work at the Camry Welcome Trust Unit in Kilifi, Kenya. And I'm, I'll be giving a talk on an introduction to clinical trials. And this is basically a lecture for people working in uh, trial sites and anybody who's new to clinical research or wants to go into clinical trials. And the first place to start is really what is a clinical trial. And um, a clinical trial is basically a clinical research uh, technique that is used for assessing the effectiveness of an intervention and depending on the intervention this may be uh, a new drug or an existing drug and you want to compare it with um, a pre-existing treatment or what is the current uh, treatment. It may also be for the purposes of um, preventing an illness, for example a vaccine um, and that's what falls under an intervention. Um, as I mentioned clinical research, clinical trials falls under a broad term of a broad class of research called clinical research and this is just clinical is just research that involves uh, human subjects and some of the branches of clinical research include cohort studies where you follow up two or more groups who have a disease or have been exposed to a treatment to observe a particular outcome. Another type of uh, clinical research would be a case report, a case report where you describe the history of a single case. The WHO defines a clinical trial as any research study that prospectively assigns human participants or groups of humans to one or more health-related interventions to evaluate the effects of health outcomes. And when we talk about uh, health-related interventions, we're really talking about um, things like things that modify uh, you know health for example drugs surgical procedures you know uh, dietary interventions and the definition of health related interventions by the international committee of medical journal editors just states that it's um, it's any intervention used to modify a biomedical health related outcome how about health related outcomes what are they? So these include any biomedical or health-related measures obtained in patients or participants, including uh, pharmacokinetic measures and adverse events. So these are things that you'll be measuring when you, um, you know, give your intervention, be it a drug or a vaccine or a new technique. What is not a clinical trial are observational studies, um, and these are those in which the assignment of a particular medical intervention uh, is not at the discretion of the investigator. And these um, are not clinical trials. <clears throat> clinical trials involve uh, giving um, investigational products, and these include uh, drugs and vaccines, as I've mentioned. And what this is defined is, as an investigation product is defined as a pharmaceutical form of an active substance or a placebo being tested or used as a reference uh, in a particular clinical trial. And uh, these products may be, you know, may be there already in the market, uh, but are used or formulated uh, in a different uh, way from the authorized form. It may also be something that uh, may be a drug that's been used for, for example, cancer, and this drug is now going to be used for a different indication, and that's what an investigational product is. Clinical trials differ from uh, standard of care basically because they are testing an intervention and this is always uh, in order to improve in, uh, on standard of care. And you measure effects over a period of time and you must have a comparison control group. And 
then it must have a method to measure the, you must have a, me, a method to measure the intervention and this is usually captured in the protocol as you're going to see in a few minutes and uh, it also focuses on unknowns for example you, when you give a new intervention you don't know what kind of effects that will have on the health of the individual and these are th things that are taken into consideration before medication becomes part of standard care and that's why clinical trials are really important to um, for working this out. So what are some of the basic concepts in clinical trials? Um, there is equipoise and hypothesis, and this uh, equipoise is really testing whether there is genuine uncertainty or that one treatment or intervention is better than, than another. For example, if there's a, there's, a, there's a drug A and a drug B, and uh, you just have maybe anecdotal evidence that uh, drug A works better than B, but you're not really sure, it's really uncertain, then that is what, um, in such a scenario, to really determine whether drug A or B is better, you need to um, perform a clinical trial to work out which of the two drugs is superior. Whereas in hypothesis, is where the investigator believes that, that there is a new intervention that is better than these, uh, the current in, uh, interventions that are being put in place, uh, but there is no evidence to, to support um, his beliefs. And this is uh, mainly, for example, you know, with the studies on genomes and you know, parasite biology, they often identify new uh, you know, putative targets of intervention, and these are what would be tested in a clinical trial to see whether, you know, for example, if it's in a vaccine, where these targets are better targets for vaccines than uh, pre-existing ones. So the next thing we're going to tackle is the protocol. And the protocol really is what establishes the question to be addressed by the trial. Um, and it ideally just has one uh, question, and this is the primary endpoint. One mistake that um, happens in clinical trials is when you have too many endpoints. Um, and really, the best design trials just uh, keep, stick to one primary endpoint because you are more likely to answer um, the question and it's easier to achieve. Um, also in the protocol you may have um, some few secondary objectives and these may be things that are related to the primary endpoint but uh, they, sh they should not distract from the primary endpoint and some of the um, objectives may be exploratory. The trial is then designed around this and uh, yeah, uh, as long as you stick to this to the protocol you will most likely get your answer. Some of the, there are several um, ways to design trials. Um, some, for example, are crossover trials where all the participants in a given trial are exposed to a, the intervention in successive periods, and you then look at the behavior of these uh, trial participants uh, at the times when they were exposed to that particular trial. In factorial trials, for example, you have two or more interventions mm, being evaluated separately and a combination and against a control, and then you see how uh, this, you know, the different combinations, uh, how that affects your outcome in relation to the control. You may have heard of trial phases, and there are basically four phases of clinical trials. Uh, phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. Phase one is the first stage of testing in humans, and it usually involves uh, a group of 20 to 50 healthy volunteers. And the trials are designed to assess the safety and tolerability and also uh, the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of a drug, for example. 
In phase two trials, um, these are performed in larger groups of people, usually in the range of 20 to 300, and they are designed to, to determine the correct dosing and assess how well the drugs work, that is, efficacy of the drug or of the vaccine. In phase three trials, um, these are usually large uh, multicenter trials, and they are you know, randomized and controlled on large patient groups, uh, ranging from 300 to 3,000 or even more. And they're usually used to determine the treatment efficacy in comparison with uh, what is currently uh, the gold standard of treatment. In phase four trials, also known as post-marketing surveillance trials, um, this is where um, uh, the safety of the particular inter, uh, intervention um, is assessed. And this is uh, ongoing even after the, the drug or vaccine has passed through phase three. And this is looking for you know, very rare um, adverse events um, and any, any things that would be detrimental to the health of the participants. Something that needs to be done when you're um, planning a clinical trial, you need to know how well it will be suited for your particular environment. And this comes down to comparative effectiveness. And it simply defined as the conduct and synthesis of uh, systematic research, comparing different interventions and strategies to prevent, diagnose, treat, and monitor health. And you want to, uh, when you're running a clinical trial, you need to know um, the circumstances of your patient. So, for example, if you're assessing um, an intervention that requires, uh, you know, a certain level of technology, will the environment that you're doing this, will it be able to support that? So these are some of the things that you need to think about when you're planning a clinical trial. There is also pharmacovigilance, which is just a pharmacological science that relates to assessing and understanding the prevention of adverse effects of treatment. Um, this field involves monitoring, collecting, assessing, and evaluation of these adverse effects, and uh, which will then inform uh, whether something needs to be done um, for the trial, whether you need to correct uh, or stop the trial in some cases. So it's a really important um, branch of uh, clinical trials. Some examples of clinical trials um, involve um, some maybe ward-based, for example, in a particular disease, for example, malaria. You may have uh, very sick children who have malaria and others are malnourished, um, others are having seizures, and you want to, to see uh, if you give them a, a particular intervention, what happens to the, uh, for example, if it's a drug, you want to see what are the pharmacokinetics in these different groups of patients um, relative to those that are not admitted, for example. Others may be community-based, uh, which, for example, may include um, questionnaires and that kind of thing. And it may also involve like uh, proof-of-concept trials, which happen in the community. So have clinical trials improved healthcare? <clears throat> So clinical trials date back to the time of uh, the what used to be called the trialists. And a good example is Dr. Lanes, who was a ship uh, surgeon uh, and carried, a carried out a trial of oranges and limes for scurvy. Um, you know, this is in the mid-18th uh, century. Um, people like Paul Ehrlich and... and um, 
Alexander Fleming then came in later in the 20th century, and by 1950, the British Medical Research Council developed a systematic methodology for studying and um, evaluating different uh, therapeutic interventions. Going back to how to design a clinical trial, the first thing we're going to talk about is a protocol. And a protocol uh, is really what you see in a title of a lot of publications. It may be like a single center, placebo-controlled trial of uh, ETC, um, maybe drug X um, when compared to uh, Y. And uh, in the protocol, you need to have um, details of who's conducting the trial, who's sponsoring it, um, where will it be conducted? Is it in, um, in Africa, in Kenya, whatever, which, whichever country is being conducted? And on whom will you be conducting the research? Is it an, a, a trial being carried out in children or in adults? Um, and then you also need to put in the protocol what you are testing. Is it safe and have tests been validated? Why is this research needed? That is, um, you know, you need to justify why you need to do that clinical trial. And that's all in the protocol. And then what are the risks and what are the procedures that uh, are going to be carried out on the trial participants? How will the data be uh, collected? Um, and, you know, how did you calculate how many patients you will need? Uh, these are all things that need to go into the protocol before you, give, you begin a trial. And basically, the protocol just states the question and explains how it will be answered. So you should have all these steps um, in the protocol. Some of the documents you will need um, together with the protocol are the informed consent form. As the title states, informed consent is just um, um, a form by which uh, you gain consent from the trial participants to carry out the intervention. Um, and it needs to be clear and it needs to let the trial participants know what risks may be involved, um, uh, what gains, and try and make sure that um, the trial participants um, know uh, the difference between the, the research, the, which is a clinical research, or, and standard of care. Uh, and in many circumstances, for example, the local translation of um, uh, clinical research or clinical trials may not mean what um, um, what you want to what you want to put across. So, for example, in Swahili, uh, research means an exploratory tests. This may be difficult to explain um, the difference between the standard of care and research in in this case. And it's uh, this is really a, a key principle when you when you're giving consent. You have to make sure that the trial participants understand um, what they are getting this, themselves into. Um, in special circumstances, especially in children and, and also emergency, you also need to think about um, how you're going to put this across. Whether is it the parent who's going to give consent? Is it a guardian? Uh, and when do you need a witness uh, for this? Uh, because then the whole point of uh, GCP, which is uh, what guides uh, informed consent, this is good clinical practice. You're supposed to protect the rights of the subject, and informed consent, the informed consent form is supposed to be a means to attain this. The other documentation that you, may, that you will need is a case record form, and this is what turns your protocol into a data capture system. Um, and in this case record form, you uh, list all the um, measurements, for example, that will be that are listed in the protocol, and uh, for example, if you will not use weight in your in your 
intervene you know as a as a primary i mean as an endpoint in, in your in your in your trial then it shouldn't uh, be there so you only put in what you're going to use for the analysis and this differs from something called source data which is where the all the patient's notes and the lab reports are um, and this needs to be again to be available uh, because the central concept of good clinical practice is that data is always verifiable so if you the data on the case record form should match the data on the source data. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the data on the source data. Uh, even if the case record form is just, has just got the information that you need for the, for the trial. Data is then taken from the case record form and entered into a database, uh, which is then exported to a statistical package uh, for analysis. Um, Now, when you talk about database and statistics, you need to know how many numbers of patients you're going to use for your intervention. And these are things that you calculate using, you know, uh, with the help of a statistician. You need to know uh, how big your study should be so as to detect the, the differences that you want. Uh, and usually, basically, if the more, you know, the bigger the difference you expect, the less the numbers you will need uh, and vice versa. So this is really important. Um, the protocol also needs to explain the objectives, the statistical objectives of your trial. Um, and by, it is the report analysis plan that sets out how you will analyze the data. And you need to have this analysis plan before you begin the, the trial, just to avoid uh, biasing the data. And then again, the database should be secure and uh, should have an audit trial, um, which is currently difficult in non-commercial trials. So some of the keys to follow in the protocol, um, you know, th this is the case record form, the source data, and standard operating procedures. So you need the case record form, or CRS as they're known. Um, you should only collect data that is listed in the protocol and nothing else. Um, data taken from the case record form is then entered into the database and exported to a statistical package. Um, and you need a standard operating procedure that lists all the operations of the trial um, yeah, and translates the protocol into the practical and operational steps appropriate to your site. So who is involved in carrying out a trial? You have the investigators. These are the principal investigators. Uh, you have the coordinators and project managers, pharmacists, clinical officers, data managers and entry clerks um, and of course the laboratory staff and also um, statisticians are really key uh, for this process. So when you think about how a trial started, uh, you start by discussing an idea with your peers and colleagues um, and this, is then, this idea is then generated into a concept proposal. Uh, you prepare the budget and other and you know the, the consent forms and all that as we have seen. Um, you then take it through a protocol review meeting, uh, open to all, um, who are appropriate uh, uh, for that particular meeting. Um, this is people who will be involved in the running of the trial. And then submit that final protocol or grant application if you're looking for funds to run the trial to the sponsor, who then um, go through the reviewing process once more, uh, look at the ethics. Uh, this is normally done by the ethical review committee. 
Uh, and then you also need to engage the community and the data safety uh, monitoring board members. Uh, these are the people who <clears throat> basically just monitor how uh, the safety of the patients uh, through the trial period, through the period in which you're running the clinical trial. Um, and then you need to hire staff and write the, you know, prepare the case report, uh, case record forms as we've seen, uh, the standard operating procedures. And once you have all this in plan, you'll be ready to begin uh, your clinical trial. So there are international guidelines for conducting clinical trials, and this is all uh, centered around good clinical practice. This is centered around um, prepare, protecting the rights uh, of the patients, making sure that the patients are safe. And this comes from um, uh, studies or um, experiences from the 1930s um, where, for example, black American men were used in uh, syphilis studies to study the cause of syphilis and they were not treated. Uh, following on from those earlier times, mm, there followed an agreement between countries that there needed to be a global standard by which all trials are conducted. And this, is, and this was to be in accordance with good clinical practice. And as I've mentioned, this protects the, the rights of those in a trial but also those whose treatment will depend on the data. So you need to make sure that the intervention that you're testing um, is safe to the trial participants, but also safe for those who are going to um, use it, for, for those who will be treated using the, your intervention. So, and it essentially assures that the rights of the patients are protected by all those given a drug or intervention in the future based upon the data that you're collecting in the trial. So <clears throat> the definition of uh, good clinical practice basically is a standard for the design, conduct, performance, monitoring, auditing, recording, uh, analysis, and reporting of clinical trials that provides assurance that the data and reported results are credible and accurate, and that the rights, integrity, and confidentiality of trial subjects are protected. Your clinical trial <clears throat> has to fulfill all these uh, features of the ICH-GCP guidelines. So good, good clinical practice uh, basically involves collecting uh, quality data. So this is data that is, um, uh, so when you look at the case record form, your data should match what is in the source um, data. So it should be quality data. It should be verifiable and it should have been collected in an ethical manner. So uh, always thinking about the patient and that is what makes up uh, good clinical practice. Uh, quality data uh, basically involves data and um, that, that the data and the results that are reported are credible and they are accurate, that is they can be verified. Um, and then for the ethics, it's just making sure that the rights, uh, the integrity and confidentiality of the trial participants are protected. So this is all covered in uh, the ICH GCP guidelines and your trial needs to run um, to fulfill these guidelines. So the basics on how to comply with uh, GCP, you need to write a good and sensible protocol. That is, you need to weigh the risk versus benefits of the trial participants. You should keep your protocol simple. Um, in this way, the trial sh should only be having one primary endpoint because you're more likely to attain that uh, objective or have an answer if you have one uh, primary endpoint and follow the protocol uh, to the letter. You also need to obtain um, ethical approval 
you need to protect the subjects, uh, that is by obtaining informed consent and ensuring their safety, their rights, and, you, you know, and confidentiality. You need to use a qualified study team. All the people who are involved in the clinical trial needs to be qualified. You need um, to handle investigational products appropriately. So for example, um, if it's a vaccine, it needs to be kept in the right uh, conditions. If it's at the fridge, it needs to be kept at a certain temperature, whether it's four degrees. Um, and then you need to implement quality systems. So you need to make sure that, uh, for example, as, as in the case of the vaccine, you need to make sure that um, there is a continuous monitoring of, the, of how the vaccines are kept, um, seeing that basically the equipment that you're using for the clinical trial is up to date, is running well. Uh, and then you need to record and analyze uh, the inf information appropriately. And um, you can't overemphasize the need to follow the protocol and trial standard operating procedures. And basically, it's just about conducting the trial ethically and being able to provide um, an answer, uh, to provide an answer that is reliable. Uh, and that is it. That is what you get out of uh, when you comply with GCP. So on interpreting uh, GCP, these are, as I said, are just guidelines and they tended to be interpreted in order to be appropriate for the relative risk of the trial. Uh, you need to think about how vulnerable the participants are, how risky the intervention is, um, whether it's, it's a new drug or a drug that was, again, maybe used for a different indication, um, and how complicated is the protocol. These are things that you need to think about. Um, a sensible application of a risk-benefit approach will help uh, appropriate monitoring um, and uh, meaningful consent and practical operation procedures. So other things to think about, uh, you can ensure your clinical trial, um, you need to uh, report any safety issues to the data safety monitoring board. Uh, you, you can register your clinical trial in a clinical trial register. Uh, you need to be to think about writing reports to your sponsor if you, it's, you're being sponsored, for example, by a drug company. You need to think about how you're going to uh, communicate your results, that is through publications, and the daily and the logistics of the daily monitor running of the clinical trial, things like budgeting and transport. And um, as we mentioned, you need to think about storage of your intervention product, if it's a drug or a vaccine. Uh, and also data archiving. How are you going to archive the data? Is it going to be <clears throat> an open source? And what uh, platform are you going to use for your data archives? And all the standard operating procedures, uh, training records, and equipment service contracts, they all need to be filed in an easily accessible uh, format. So finally, clinical trials um, are important because they are critical for improving health. Uh, because they evaluate uh, new disease management methods or new drugs or vaccines. Um, and there's no other way, it's the best way to evaluate uh, a new drug or a new treatment, how effective um, a new intervention is. Um, taking part in clinical research can help facilities all, uh, raise their standards as they introduce many useful tools uh, and systems. Um, more money than ever is now going into capacity building for clinical trials in resource-limited settings because we want to improve uh, health outcomes in these um, settings. 
And there are many opportunities for training uh, and further qualifications and um, really excellent career opportunities in clinical research. So and just a final note is that um, how we design and run trials is important for both the trial participants and for every patient or patients uh, that might benefit from the data each trial generates. Therefore, it is an exciting privilege and a great responsibility to run these trials and to run them well in accordance with uh, good clinical practice. Thank you.